0: Hello, everyone. Today is February 2nd, 2022. My guest today is Andrew Asola. Andrew is a financial planner. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Andrew.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it.
0: So we were uh, talking about possible business ideas as well as possible uh, reasons for... We were talking about a few things. Like engineering cost, I think, was one of them before this
1: yeah yeah and when you say engineering cost what do you mean what do you want to specify into
0: like whether utility is gained through adding a certain feature in a product based off of the cost required to implement that feature
1: Right. Yeah. And, and it applies. It's a, it's a great point, right? Like that we were talking about uh, specifically in the case of uh, PCs and, and computer aspects, but the same could probably be applied outward to a lot of different things, you know, cost benefit benefits, yes. do, do you have a big enough audience and is it worth the extra extent and product, um, not product, but uh, we'll call it material uh, origination to create this new extent? Um, in this case, you know, we were talking about multiple USB-C ports, right? And uh, and that's something that nobody do- that that PCs don't do. And so uh, it, no. it's an interesting thought to to discuss, you know, the utility of why business is done the way it's done. It's not that we can't do all business and advanced technology a specific speed pattern or rhythm but we advanced in a certain way in, a, in, in cohesion with business
0: aspirations, right? Yes, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of argument that uh, the delay of the implementation of electric vehicles was part of that with the business of fossil fuels and gasoline.
1: I know that the lobbying power was behind the fossil fuel, uh, run, the continual run. And, and I think you're right. I think, I don't have an exact quote, but I know that I've read somewhere, I read somewhere not too long ago about the, the intention. And it goes back to Henry Ford even with there, there was a competitor that had an electric vehicle at that time. And they were, they had, you know, pretty you know, as, as early as those model T 206s, is that what it was called? Um, And uh, yeah, something like that. I can't remember what they were called. Uh, Model T's Model T T206 is the baseball card, Model T is what it was called, I think. And there was an electric competitor, but who had the money and the power? Obviously, the Ford did so, they you know, especially because they got going first. So, so it ran, you know, it got shut down pretty quick. You didn't hear about it. It's kind of the same idea when you hear about the name Tesla. Where does that name come from? It comes from the name Nikola Tesla. The guy who was Thomas Edison's big competitor, right? What was what was the pinch between the two? Well, Thomas Edison wanted the capitalist way of of utilizing electricity, and Nikola Tesla wanted the um, the we'll call it the socialistic use of electricity, and um, and so I guess at the end of the day, you know, there has been this this withdrawal of advancement in electric power and electric vehicles for that matter, specifically, like you said, so. Uh, I think there has been a lot of hindrance for a long time and we're just kind of breaking out of it and we're still working out of it as a result of slow of of by not, in my opinion at least, and, and you tell me what you think, uh, by not continually advancing that or trying to progress that, we've then slowed the future progress of it, which is right now. We don't have enough competitors right now doing a good enough job because we didn't work on it for so long because we, we pushed it away. Right.
0: Yes, it it is. Uh, it's not simple, like how that pushing away happened, and you know where that put the market, and what different sorts of intervention between the public and private sectors led to what those repercussions are. It's pretty complicated what do you think are some things that you know can you know through lobbying power through you know fiscal accumulation can an in private industry private sector you know private sector company do in order to place themselves in a better position
1: i mean anything and everything you can think of it's there's no limit to it it's the it's it's all that soft-spoken agreement right it's you know well you can we get a meeting i am lobbyist for insert publicly traded company here we'll say johnson and johnson a great example right now right you know a producer of not only a vaccine but literally quite literally almost everything else you may use every day so what do they need to do to make sure they maintain full market share of everything that they have? They have 50 lobbyists out in Washington, D.C. How does that lobbyist work is kind of the question I think we're getting at, right? And what power do they really have? Well, there's no contractual power. It's all, it's all you know verbal agreement. It's, can I get a meeting with Senator so-and-so? Who are you? Well, I'm I'm a consultant for publicly traded company Johnson and Johnson. Oh, oh, Johnson and Johnson. You said. Well, let me ask so and so senator and their assistant. You hear that as the senator, and you're like, okay, what's this about? They walk in and they tell you, well, we're, we want we want to build a factory here to produce lotion or whatever out out there, and we're willing to subsidize. Um, If you will subsidize this portion, then we're willing to kick back another amount. Now, how that kickback happens is not what's publicly disclosed, but we know there's a kickback there because of the fact that of the correlation between the stock ownership in certain places geographically, where things are and where the senators and who they're partnering with are specifically, like quite literally in their office and so that correlation kind of tells you what's going on. Now, it's the only proof we have is within 45 days, there's a stock holding reporting requirement for the House and for Congress. And that happens, but nobody really pays a lot of attention to it. And more specifically, the media does not report on it because both sides of the aisle are on it in a very bad way.
0: What's what's in that report?
1: It discloses all of the stock holdings of the the politicians portfolio wow i
0: i saw an article a few weeks ago about you know investments that a certain senator made or the family member made and is that was that disclosed through this avenue through this report that you're speaking about
1: so there's it's a it's an interesting topic right now because they're talking about the family member portion of it. As of right now, the family members do not have to disclose the same form. I think it's Form F twelve or something like that. Um, but people like you know, and the and the big name is Nancy Pelosi. Obviously, is the big name on this, but with good reason. She's essentially a multi billionaire now through the pandemic and maybe from other incidences, but. Um, they do not, the family members and the spouses are not required to disclose that on that same filing. So therefore, there's no public uh, or legal requirement for them to disclose anything. So who's to say she doesn't make a quick call to her cousin, right? Got it. And here's the other thing to note. The way that a lot of this happens, there's two ways that it happens. So there's the public lobbying. And one part of that is, is the quid pro quo, which is you do this for me and I'll do that for you. And then there's the insider trading, which is I'll tell you this right now if you give us the contract, right? And if I tell you this right now, the stock's going to go up or down 10% and you can invest whatever you want in it, right? So, And you know that two days before the company is about to tell the public about it. So if you know that two days before it's about to go up or down 10%, you know insider information. Now, how do you trade on insider information legally? You tell your cousin and your cousin tells your financial advisor and therefore they did not hear it directly from the source because the definition of insider information and trading on it is you've overheard insider information and you've acted or traded on that directly. Now, if you overhear someone talking about Someone else who talked about insider trading, that is not insight inside information, that is not insider trading. So that is kind of the gray area that they play and work with to utilize that to their advantage in addition to that first part I mentioned.
0: Wow. So that's like legally just the what insider trading is, is that you're given a piece of information that's not available to the public and you directly make financial decisions based off of trades of whatever reason based off of that but there are stipulations that state if this is heard you know over conversation or you know just while someone is out and about and if it's not a direct communication between that individual and their financial institutions it is not in violation of insider trading?
1: That's correct, technically. Yeah, amazingly so, amazingly so. Wow. Now, if it's big enough, they may, you know, try to pull some strings, but to pull as many for how often it's happening, especially in politics, with as many members of Congress in the House that you have pulled with as many lobbyists as you have, I think there's three times as many lobbyists. The last I read is there are members of congress <laughs> wow. that tells you something which there's a lot of companies out there so it makes a little bit of sense but um it does uh, i guess i guess what we're getting at is how do you really prevent that right and how do you regulate that and is there a way to even regulate it when it's so large
0: that's very good point and if you do regulate it what's to say it doesn't get worse
1: right because you're right, and, and who's setting the, why do you think there's no regulation, and who sets the regulation?
0: Exactly. The police, exactly.
1: The police right? Same question. It,
0: right. It's not, it's not really simple. No, it's
1: not, it's not. It's, and there's no good answer other than the, the I know I was reading this morning, actually, um, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, was, was talking about the banning of all family members and congressmen members who owning or trading stock while in mm. office. And, you know, personally, I actually don't have a problem with it because she's right. She's like, I get information every day that is not publicly released until two days later. And it happens all the time. And I could easily go into a stock portfolio and go trade on it and make a bunch of money. And I don't because I don't want to, because I know that's in violation of not only law, but it's a betrayal to the public to do that. That's not my job is to get in front of stuff for the best of the public, not for the gain of my back pocket you know
0: that's i mean it's true i mean you, you know we have to act in accordance like i think now with the mass networking ability with media being not just you know a couple sources with a large sum of money but now it's everyone everyone plays a part in the media social media has now leveled the playing field much more i grant it There are still huge tech corporations that do have the ability to choose who is on their platform but overwhelmingly they are still giving power to so many people and giving new sources of media to so many people that's so freely available that it's you know we're almost always in the public eye and these types of incidents that have happened previously, such as you know individuals finding out information before it's publicly available and making financial decisions on it, that's going to probably be difficult to maintain because of this very, you know, the, the transfer and the transparency of communication information knowledge is becoming much more fluid much more integrated and it's going to be hard to maintain those types of actions you know within the coming decades there might be some sort of you know ability to do it maybe through a technical technological malware sort of thing but as far as you know that more personable you know like you said these soft agreements i think because of that you know like maybe i'm wrong maybe there still will be able to be you know firewalls and you know black boxes but those black boxes and those firewalls seem to be you know eroding slowly because of this mass ability to communicate to produce media and to speak you know and since it's available everywhere it's, it's hard to hide away from it.
1: I, I completely agree. I think you're absolutely on point with that. Um, I think that it's, you know, like you said, it's not necessarily gone and it's not going to maybe happen right away, but it's eroding. And that erosion is the start of how you end that type of thing. Now, how quickly that happens is the, is the best question and you know, how much you can do, how much you can avoid, you know, malware-wise to prevent, you know, to create misinformation, which is the, the clear goal of everything right now. Um, but uh, I don't know the exact answer to how you would solve it other than, I think, <clears throat> I agree with you 100%. And I'm not trying to sidetrack any of this. I'm trying to think of the solution to what we're saying. And, and I think the solution is you almost have to, Forcibly integrate these if they're going to, if they're not going to have completely hands off approaches to it, then the only option is your entire portfolio is under the public view at all times at every moment. That should be the only possibility. And even though there is that open information sharing and disclosure, it's only happening on Reddit, it's not happening anywhere else. It's happened because the news media doesn't want to report it. Because whether you believe media is liberal or Republican, it doesn't matter because both sides of that aisle are doing the same thing. Uh, In that same article, that AOC was, you know, that AOC had her portion in. um, It wasn't all about her; it was all about the idea of what she was saying. And they said something like seventy-five members of Congress own Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, and Moderna, and didn't own it before twenty twenty and so it's that type of transparency that has to happen quicker and sooner and and more it just it just has to be has to be regulated and quite frankly in my opinion it just has to be stopped it can't be legal it's just it's it's so obvious it's like okay do you have a cheat code we're we're competing in a tournament and you have steroids in baseball right and, you know, how big of a problem was that? That was everything. Now we're competing in an esports tournament and we slowed down the speed on that computer and that guy's computer's faster. Who do you think is going to win the game, right? It's easy. It's simple. The same goes with stock trading even aside from insider information. You've got things like high-frequency trading in a movie. You'll hear about this in the near future. It's called Flash Boys. Um, it's by Michael Lewis. He did the big short and Moneyball so he's he's all up to date on all that big uh, social financial social uh, relationship and uh, and what it is it's the it was the electronic advancement to beat the current infrastructure digitally to the exchange since markets became anti paper and full of electronics because of digital trading they beat digitally by geographically beating the amount of time it took electricity to get there to transmit that data, they beat exchanges and front-ran front every trade for seven straight years and continue to do so this day. And nobody's thinking about it. Who is this? This is called Citadel Securities. The book is called Flash Boys, but it's about the production of Citadel Securities and how they hired a financier, who worked at a big bank, hired an electric electrical engineer who hired a telecom guy to build informational output channels faster than the current infrastructure to do so. So this advisor in Nebraska could never figure out why he could never get the price that he needed, he should have been getting. And he connected these dots and, caught, and figured out and met these guys and figured out that these guys had built this company that was – Saying, hey, look, we will buy that next block of trades at this price. And then the next time someone else wants to buy those same trades or shares of stock, they've, they're have they selling them for one cent more every single time over and over. They've never lost a trade as a result.
0: I Be- don't. Okay. Did How you- do they they're
1: beating. They're beating. You push enter on your trade. They're beating your fidelity system by microseconds, milliseconds and microseconds. So every time you hit it, your fill order goes in, it goes in a line and they see your order and they're like, well, I'm, I'm a professional athlete. I can run faster than you. So they beat you to the finish line. They beat you to the finish line. Their time is faster. So therefore they get the better price by cents. But then your, your price is lower. Therefore, who, is you, who are you then buying from? If they beat you by cents, you're then rebuying from them. So they're buying it and then reselling it to you for a couple cents more because they're faster than you.
0: Wow. And this is a single company with just a few employees?
1: They're not a few employees anymore, but it's one single company that started this. Yeah.
0: Wow. Is that and a legal practice? wow
1: there was not there is no law or regulation against enhancing the tr- speed the the speed of trading from a digital standpoint now manipulating systems to slow others down is, is illegal but speeding yourself up was actually became the game and so that makes sense you
0: know, right, I think now if there's a higher you know if everyone adopts that technology it's going to be huge it's going to have, have huge cost savings
1: well, here's the thing: everyone gave up on adopting it, and they said we'll just sell all of our orders to this security firm to this firm that will do it. And this one firm processes, I think, eighty percent of all trades every day on every exchange.
0: Really? Yeah. Sentinel Security.
1: Citadel. Citadel. Securities. Yep. Wow. So, so go the next time you go to trade a stock, look at. Exchange. Look at what exchange it's being routed to. And most likely, most likely your fill will go to Citadel Securities because they are the ones who always beat everyone there. Most likely. Because they're always going to have the quote best price because they're going to buy all the other exchanges' prices to make sure they're all a little bit higher so that their exchange is the one that gets the fill.
0: Wow. And they're able to do this because of their trans- the speed of the transaction that they make
1: exactly exactly the speed of which they see the price of the next price
0: do you know what
1: price to then sell it for the next price higher
0: do you know what they did to get to increase that speed
1: they built underneath a river in new york to through new from new york to new jersey there's a river that they that was originally built around the channel that the only channel into the exchange which is really just this huge data center in new jersey that's the new york stock exchange is a data center in new jersey um, oh, wow that the, what you see on tv is just like for show it's literally nothing happens there anymore it's all just a big data center and that's just a studio audience based just for studio audience and uh, but it's
0: very highly secure
1: yeah exact no oh you talk about security that is probably the most secure place on earth
0: <laughs> so, yeah
1: seriously well no, good yourself that place is like a uh, micro nukes waiting to shoot down anyone within five feet of it, um and blow them up from in from inside out, you know with some crazy techno anyway, uh, that's beside the point, but um so yeah, no they they learned how to beat it so so the the only path into that exchange was one route. There's always one route, which is how that line was created, and what they did was they created a new line. That extended underneath the river that was traditionally and I, I wanna say I don't want to say it was the Hudson, but it might have been the Hudson River that goes the that's between New York and New Jersey. And no idea. and traditionally this electric the, the these electrical channels went across and over land. And they decided they could save twenty five miles of land if they went under the river, if they could do it. And they could, and they found, and they did all the, you know, the geographic or the geological work. Sorry, geological work to find if it was possible, and it was possible. So they built it, and well, they just started finding investors to build it, and they invested like a quarter billion dollars in doing it. That quarter billion dollars is worth hundreds of billions now. Um, And they built it, and they did it, and it worked. And everyone started wondering why. And Michael Lewis did a deep dive into figuring it out and some guys, this one guy, one main guy was the guy that kind of really whistle blew the whole thing. And he's at uh, Royal bank of Canada now. I forget his name, but um, his goal was to end that whole idea. Once he had gotten started on it, he realized how corrupt it was to do that, to commit quite literally what, what is a an, an offense on any firm, but digitally, it's not an offense. If you do it electronically, it's not illegal. But if you do it knowingly on a mix, like let's say your Fidelity, and you see a customer's order come in for Facebook stock at fifty-two dollars, and they're supposed to get it at fifty-two dollars, and you know that, and you decide we're gonna give it to them for fifty-two oh one, we're gonna pocket the other one cent. Let's just say that's what they do, and they do that knowingly. That's illegal. But if you do it digitally by beating them electronically, which Fidelity can't do, but this firm did, then that's not illegal. And so that's the big problem right now.
0: Wow. That is, I, that sounds pretty amazing. And what's this book called?
1: It's called Flash Boys.
0: Flash Boys.
1: Yeah. So it's created a whole new industry within the industry of what we call uh, order flow sale. So essentially when you have, when you're a mutual fund uh, or a fund company like BlackRock or Fidelity or Vanguard, you can't just, when you sell 0.7% of Fidelity Contra Fund, which is a, how big is that fund? You know, hundreds of billions of dollars. How do you sell 0.7% of a fund with that many shares? You have to sell them in giant blocks. And how you sell these giant blocks are in two ways. One, you have to sell them secretly, which they're allowed to do in what we call dark pools. And that's another podcast for another day. And two, you have to sell them through order flow. So you sell this order flow and you basically pay someone to buy the securities off you to sell them. And you don't sell them directly to the exchange. It's almost like a, it's a person-to-person exchange. In this case, it's an investment company to investment company exchange of shares. And it's called or, sale of order flow. And so you're selling this order and this flow of order to this firm with the full intent that it's just to be sold on the open market. But you broke out your flow of sale. Because if okay. you sell point, let's say you sell 0.3% of a $500 billion fund of one stock. You just moved the stock 5% one way. Whether you either bought it or sold it, you moved the stock 5%. So you have to break that up over time and amongst different places and individuals. Okay. And when I say individuals, I mean corporations, because that is legally the definition of a corporation, a person.
0: Got it. Got it. So
1: that's how they do it. So order flow sale is a big industry because of Citadel and Flash Boys.
0: Wow. And Flash Boys is the book about Citadel.
1: Correct. Yep. The origination of Citadel. Exactly. And all of this is as of this all only started happening and was really discovered in 2013. I mean, this is brand new stuff. This is since the financial crisis. This is happening.
0: What does this all mean for the for us?
1: It means every stock trade you've made for every stock trade that in your retirement account that's ever been made, whether it's in a mutual fund, an ETF, or an individual stock that you've traded, you've been front run, meaning someone else has gotten your stock price better than what you should have gotten on every single trade you've ever made since 2013. Wow. Wow. And like, yeah, it may only add up to $10, $10, $10,000, $100,000, but the idea, it's not about that. It's about the idea that someone or something specifically is able to legally right now, front run you every single time you try to make a trade or place a trade.
0: Wow. Is there anything, uh, how come people don't know about this?
1: Because they don't want people to know about this. When I say they, I'm saying big money doesn't want people to know about this because they make money off of it.
0: Got it.
1: Citadel pays these companies. like That's the sale of order flow, right? So you're making money off selling to Citadel, selling the order flow. So it's a win-win on both sides. Citadel makes more money by selling for more. You make money by selling the order to Citadel. You get rid of the shares you need to get rid of at a lower cost because Citadel knows... How to manipulate better than anyone else does because they can front run everything and charge a higher price than you were able to do so. Therefore, it's a quid pro quo winning relationship again. Okay. That, that the average person just has no power over. There's just it would take it would take three major banks to even do anything about it. And even then I don't know what could be done. So it really takes regulators. It's up to regulators to identify it, but I don't even know if they understand it. If you've watched any of the tech talk stuff behind blockchain and social media, the questions being asked of what is being done with this information data and how is it being manipulated and used against the public, the questions being asked aren't even real questions. They aren't. They don't apply to what we need to be addressing at all. And the same goes here. What do you mean? Meaning that Congress and... Politicians, for that matter, are so out of touch with what's happening because it's becoming so advanced and specialized. And like we talked about earlier, a whole different level of uh, language, essentially, like you would talk like, you know, engineering to me, like I would talk finance to someone else. And basically, we might not even be speaking the same language. None of these politicians can speak that language. Therefore, they don't even know what question to ask. If they don't know what question to ask, they can't derive any answer to solve the problem.
0: Right. because they're not technologically capable they're That's not true. they're not like a 36 year old software engineer that is really in tune with what's going on which is a huge issue right now i mean That's right yeah you know i i know people are like going crazy about crypto and you know social media and metaverse and it's like most people have no idea what these things will look like how they will develop over years and what this process is going to look like and it's tough to ask the real questions if you it's like you know people you know older people will ask you to you know do some simple electronical task you know like something with the iphone and it's like you know now you have power over you know you're asking these pretty philosophically deep questions that are going to have you know and trying to do you know actionable outputs to them but the technology behind the things that need to be investigated are so complex that it's even difficult for those people to fathom to understand really what's going on that's how i feel slightly with this i need to read this book to really get it flash boys because you know even you speak this to me and i i'm a, I'm a professional engineer i've worked with software for years and what you're saying still is very complicated difficult for me to grasp so for someone who is maybe you know two and a half times my age two times my age and attempt hears these things it's like i don't even know where to start with what you're going about like i don't know like what like you created a so it's 25 miles less that's the reason that it's all here so it's that's so you guys have 25 miles less to go through so you guys get things faster and then you app the price like it's very difficult to conceptualize and if you don't have a technical intuition or a technical literacy that has been developed over years decades it's going to be nearly impossible to to you know traverse that sort of speech and communication.
1: It's so true. It's so true. And and the second you aren't enhancing at this point, we're at a we're at a one of the biggest, and and we talked about it with the wealth gap. And and this is just touching on what you're saying, we've with the wealth gap, it's not just a wealth gap, it's a knowledge gap, the knowledge gap is widening so heavily right now. Because like we just said, one, you know, you're out of touch for a while, you have no idea where to even start. When I'm talking about base, I'm putting it as basic as they put it in the book. I mean, that's as basic as I can s- summarize the book is they geographically made it shorter. But there was way more you know, um, intricacies behind a lot of the technology they used that you would probably understand that I had to look up and try to understand and don't even want to try to explain on this podcast. Um, but the, the nuances of all of it are so far beyond the average person, let alone someone that's not yes. been focused on it for years and decades. And even if you do bring in some specialists, what you're going against isn't a specialist who did this. You're going against a team of specialists that have done this. So now you have to have a team as strong as Google's to compete with Google's in the government. How do you come up with – how do you even do that?
0: Yes, It's so not – easy and it's you know it's you know with all this tech and with the integration of it it's like some things have become easier but understanding what's going on the evolution of science today is so fast and it's so hard for even like anyone anyone to keep up with the level of technological change that's going on like what's gone on in the last 10 years i don't think you know people really grasp what's gone on like so many different aspects of science and technology have dramatically you know changed or improved and now it's like all these things are going to come together and something's going to and like it was something's going to happen but it's not going to be easy to like to keep up with or really understand.
1: Agreed completely. I agree completely. I think that you're spot on with saying, you know, those things. I think that keeping up is the big, is the key term there to me, because that's where we're going to lose a major portion of the population. And it, it started with 2020 when you put people out of work intentionally, basically, because then you just lowered their, professional growth. And if and yes. thats it goes back to that growth enhancement of this continuous exponential growth, because you've got a small segment of the population getting smarter, faster and wealthier, faster. And those two are, are coinciding. The wealthier you are, the easier it is to get smarter. Yes. Right. Because that means you work less for more money, which gives you more time to build more knowledge. Yes. If you work more for less money. You have less time to learn more. Absolutely. And so- that creates not only it's not about the wealth gap it's the knowledge gap that's the problem because the knowledge gap creates the wealth gap
0: yes and at least in
1: my opinion i don't know do you agree with that
0: <laughs> well i think the i look at poverty more than the wealth gap i okay so overall poverty is the big metric i use and there is a wealth gap certainly and with that wealth gap comes a division of knowledge most certainly that has always existed though i think that division it it, i think it used to even be more exclusive with libraries and things of you know when you take into account things of like the middle ages when people literally did not speak latin read latin and the bible was only written in a single language latin and then people weren't able to interpret what the bible was actually saying they had to hear that and that's a huge gap in knowledge and so I do think that gap still exists today and I think it's pretty highlighted and it probably does you know I do think you know the more knowledgeable you are most likely the wealthier you have the potential to be so I don't think what you're saying is incorrect that the knowledge gap the knowledge gap you know is directly responsible for the wealth gap because I think that's been true for possibly all of you know human history but I think that that knowledge gap has more potential to be diminished and I think it is being diminished right you know I think we're seeing that erosion that we spoke about earlier I don't know if it'll get to a point that's actually there I think that'll probably be impossible where there's just a 100 transparency across all beings that probably won't happen but i do think that the knowledge gap does like you said i do agree with you that the knowledge gap does does result in a wealth gap but i do think that knowledge is more freely available to obtain and to you know than it has ever been before. One example of this is that I believe the text or the literacy rate in Africa has skyrocketed within the last 10 to 15 years due to texting. And everyone now has a phone that they can text with. And so now that everyone texts, the literacy rate on the continent has just jumped up to 80 plus percent.
1: That's incredible. That's yes. that's actually like a, a crazy thought to think that texting could create literacy, right? Yes. The concept of such, but it makes sense too. It makes complete sense. Hopefully they're texting with good grammar because I will be very bothered if they're not. Yes, yeah, I don't I don't think language. there's too
0: much great grammar. But <laughs> right. again,
1: but that's good. That's good even if they're getting a, a written language out in a form, that's already that's exponential improvement, right?
0: Absolutely. But there's other things like you are correct like if there's a if someone's richer, they're going to have more resources to be able to um to be able to learn in other venues. I do think people need to take it upon themselves to learn, which isn't simple or intuitive or easy. But say someone is able to work from home versus someone who has to be in the office or not even in the office. They just have to be where they are physically. I mean, that's a huge difference in wealth. Like one person doesn't have to get ready or end their day. They don't have to commute. They don't have to, you know, they can... Eat a meal in the middle of their day without you know like too much stress or too much like movement. It is uh at
1: home with the stuff that they eat every day, as opposed to having to maybe going and getting fast food, which is already exactly. healthier inherently.
0: Yes. yes.
1: Thirty-minute lunch break, right? You're going to go grab something junky. You're going to get Absolutely. something to get out. It's going to be greasy as hell. It's going to be bad for you. And you're it's going to try to survive the day and wonder why you're out of energy at 4 p.m. Well, yes. Eat a bunch of junk for lunch because you were stuck at the office you got up two hours earlier than the guy who's working at home did because you had to go get ready and then you had to drive and so it kind of backs up your point
0: it's huge so you're right the division of knowledge i mean it it works you know both ways to division of knowledge leads to the division of wealth which leads to even more division of knowledge so you, you know it's probably even worse 100 years ago when like the only place you can get knowledge like truly is in a college library and then a lot of those books were probably not correct you know had some misinformation then I mean, there's a lot of misinformation out there now but again going back to what we said at the beginning that there's so many different inputs of media like in good good example of this is i recently sold my car and i sold it to an auctioneering company and i had no idea who these people were i put my car ad on auto trader these people contacted me they said oh we're part of this company based in irvine i was like i have no idea who you are so i googled them and they had great reviews on google they had reviews on facebook Actually, the person who was selling, who was directly coming to my home to purchase the car had a name and had his name input in one of the reviews. The person was like, oh, this individual, you know, whoever it was, was a great, really put my mind at ease about this whole process.
1: Right.
0: And each one of those reviews is a decentralized form of media. And with... That decentralized media, I now, you know, am able to look at the overwhelming amount of media reported on this one company and the process, you know, their action, which is buy cars, auction them off to car dealerships for the car dealerships to resell. And, you know, all these reviews are saying got the best price here. It was super easy. And that's what I felt too at the end. But I had no idea how to trust them until. You get until I had these all these small forms of media input from decentralized locations to say, okay, I can trust this company because you know over these last you know couple of years, I can see that a lot of people have had good experience with them. And what was we were saying something earlier? What were we talking about before I went on to the car?
1: Um, you got me on that one.
0: It was on decentralized in media. It had to do with
1: media and information. We were we were on information topic and being able to you know spread. Yes,
0: it was about. We started with college campuses. I was saying the only place you're going to get knowledge is in a library and a college campus. Well, now you can search the internet and you can find like a hundred different sources of knowledge for like a single subject. And there's going to be different things. There's going to be you know some. competing uh, theories or some competing, you know, presentations of how this process works. But if you take in like five and if four or three, you know, if four of them, let's say you take in seven and four or five of them are the same thing, putting out the same thing. And then maybe like two i'm going to say two are saying you know two you know one thing different and another thing different well you know which one of those sources are probably incorrect right and, and so the availability of knowledge is much more you know much better than it has ever been and we don't have to deal with these centralized sources of media input which would be you know like uh, an advertisement on a very you know major cable company telling you to go get your sell your car at this dealership you know because then it's like okay so they're telling me to go there i don't really have like know where else i would go well now it's like okay i can easily go to google and find out if the people that are giving me this fantastic price are legitimate or not
1: right yeah no and i I can't argue with any of that that's completely true 100% true and you know that for all the um, for all of that exposure and I guess release of information finally it's great and it, it helps us make more informed decisions the only I guess I would here's my let me play devil's advocate for you then so on top of that how do you feel about the because all of this information is owned by someone somewhere else right or it's bought and sold and it's when i say owned it's owned by someone specifically you know auto trader this auctioneer eventually you know this information
0: and so the even the the ads when i google them you know they were there were google ads so are those ads each owned by google each one of those decentralized comments for reviews on that company those are that's google's data right
1: that's Google's revenue. You know that's where Google's yes. revenue comes from, is those little things, the first four things you see is where 75% of all of Google's revenue comes from.
0: The and first four happens. links?
1: You know how when you when you type in anything on Google, the first thing you'll type in anything on Google right now, like that's a company or like, let's just say, I'm gonna type in something. Give me something to type in that's like a company. Let's just say water. I'll just uh, no, that's gonna be Wikipedia. Let's say Aquafina. I type in Aquafina. The first thing I'm going to see is, sorry, this is a bad example because Aquafina is too big. Let's say, um, gosh, let's say car dealer near me, right? That's because you have to say you want to break it down to. uh, I don't know what I'm looking for right now, right? So what the first thing you'll end up seeing a lot of the time is what I always have to tell my girlfriend not to click on, which is the ad. It'll say yes, ad,
0: right? Amazon has it too. What? Amazon has it too for their products. The first couple of um yeah. this the first couple of items when you do a search, the first couple of items shown are all advertisements. And you, ha- you have to just be aware of that and it's really yeah. easy to scroll past it. But is that that's a huge part of their revenue, those specific advertisements? That is
1: Google's revenue. They don't make really? money- the other way. that is That was their model when they initiated, when they IPO'd in 2003, I think it was. They, that's what they pitched in their IPO paperwork was, we are going to be the one-stop shop for digital advertising. So wow. like Amazon's selling books online right now. If you wanted to sell something other than books and advertise it, let's say someone types in car dealership, don't let them see the car dealer, any car dealership. Let them see the car dealership that pays us to be at the top of the page. Now, over time, we've learned that you can manipulate the algorithm within the page to then put you towards the top without paying Google the ad money. But now it's a game of if you're paying Google the ad, now you have to pay Google the ad money and adjust your algo to be perfect to end up at that top portion, right? So yes. they've expanded. it's expanded even more so, and it's just – It's interesting to say the least. Um, That's
0: very interesting. And it's very interesting that even 17 years later, it's as it's super successful.
1: Well, it's the foundation of revenue
0: 19 years later.
1: Look at what it, I mean, what is revenue right now? What are these companies really producing? Are they producing, creating anything other than information and content and advertising?
0: information and content but it's so valuable that information and in the context that it's received is usually very valuable
1: but what was what pitched do you know how facebook was pitched when they ipo do you know no, what their pitch was what was it? it it was very it was the exact same thing as google's but they said we're going to do this for mobile apps we're going to do this on mobile
0: what do you mean facebook on mobile apps?
1: So when you see a mobile ad on Facebook that says by AdSense, AdSense is an entity of Facebook. Okay. So it's Facebook and Google competing for all, every ad you ever see, whenever you're scrolling on a website or an app or anything is always, is 99% of them are Google or Facebook owned or paid, well not owned, but you know what I mean? Like that is the widget and the code that is owned by Google or Facebook, depending on who you have paid to advertise.
0: AdSense, they use the same widget?
1: AdSense's code is Facebook. Facebook created that code, and that's part of their, their advertising sales software. I'll call it I So call it.
0: Instagram uses that same software too, right?
1: That's another, that's exactly right. That's And that's why Facebook wanted Instagram, not only because of the platform shift, but because they knew, they know the game. They it's know. It's easier
0: to advertise with the Instagram platform.
1: Even easier, yeah, even easier. Not just that, they can they can do what they did with Facebook, which is, hey, look, you just get to scroll down and check out all your buddy's stuff, and then next year there's an ad in between, and then two years later there's three, there's two ads in between. There's a, a lot of ads right later, now. On Instagram. There's, an, there's an ad, a friend, two ads, and then maybe another friend or an ad but what what is happening you're seeing the shift what are they trying to do they've got to increase the revenue over and over again wow and they own that space they are the monopoly of that space and google's monopoly of google's space and google's its own world basically right so they can monopolize that because it's in their world it's like facebook selling real estate in the metaverse in their metaverse it's their metaverse. They can sell whatever they want for whatever they want.
0: Yes, they can, and people will buy it because a lot of people use their platform.
1: Go look at the price of an NFT.
0: Very <laughs> crazy,
1: and it's funny that we bring that up because <laughs> I had I got a text from uh, from Nathan um, here today, and he actually said, "You know, hey, you know, should I be looking at some Ethereum." And I was like. I think I'll just wait for twenty two hundred. Um, but I still think I might go for. it. He's like, bro. I hope everyone's NFTs go to zero. I'm sure the technology will be great, but these stupid projects are so stu are so dumb. And right now they are because there's no cross integration. We don't know what universe we're going to be entering. We talk about all this interdimensionality. Interdimensionality. Uh, have you seen the new Spider Man, for example?
0: Yeah, I've heard of it, how it transitions between the three dimensions, arc- right? It
1: yeah. talks about metaverse, talks about the metaverse, right? And not the metaverse, the multiverse. They call it the multiverse. Why is M-verse, why is that being so pushed right now? It started with Rick and Morty, and then yes. everyone, right after that started going insane about that ideology, and why is that, and who has taken the, who has taken it to heart more than anyone else? They changed their company name for it.
0: Facebook.
1: So, what are they trying to do, and what are they promoting, and what are they pushing, and what is everyone pushing? There's no such thing. I mean, the multiverse may or may not be real, but it's going to be so hard to access it that in our lifetime, it's never going to be conceivable and it's never going to be possible. But what is conceivable and possible in our lifetime? Alternative universes in our universe. Yes. Versus. Have you
0: have you heard of augmented reality?
1: Oh. I love augmented
0: reality. Yes it's the it's the future for that is you know in our lifetime ar hopefully with like a decent you know i know that meta part partnered with ray-ban but if they can get that decent picture on it's like the google it's like the iphone glass we had touch screens before iphone glass i believe it's called gorilla glass or the original was called gorilla glass that were terrible like they you know they they weren't true they didn't you know the touch screen didn't work and then you iphone came out with the iphone with gorilla glass and it was seamless Mm -hmm. it was a seamless experience and if they can come out with that same that's not going to be easy it's going to take a lot of good you know software it's going to take a lot of good digital uh digital artwork and digital creation and a lot of a lot of stuff that you know is not going to be simple but if they can create that seamless experience maybe it won't be meta there's a chance you know people love you know but there could be a player that comes out over the next five years that i expect at least one to come out that will be like just create some incredible thing like a moderna uh of metaverse.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, just so someone from meta possibly leaving and then going and doing their own thing. Someone I from agree. Oculus. Yeah. I, I believe do. that's already happened. I believe someone who was working at Oculus already created a separate company.
1: Well, and the guy that created Oculus isn't even a Facebook guy. They bought Oculus yes. from the guy and then kicked him out for sexual harassment, not kicked him out for and he committed sexual harassment. So you goodbye. But you're a billionaire, so good <laughs> life sucks right <laughs> anyway um yes anyway, no i i completely agree with you and it's funny that you say that because i almost look at it as when we look at the next big channel of of verse right you know universe what, what's what was the last universe we created it was the social media universe right yes All the these web 2. 2. two what was that
0: they call it web 2.0
1: web 2.0 right yep exactly and so we created that. And so what's the next one? We're, we're calling it the metaverse. It may end up being called something else. Um, I don't think social media was called social media when it first came out. I think that term was coined later on. And so I almost look at meta, the company meta and Facebook, I'll just call them Facebook and what they're trying to do. And I almost think that there's money and there's people and there's big players waiting for them to iron out all of the wrinkles in what they're doing with Oculus right now to jump in and play Facebook against MySpace because it could happen because I, yeah. And I don't know if that's something that's, that's a lot easier to say than do because Facebook jump, MySpace to Facebook jump was a lot easier yes. from a coding standpoint. I mean, my God, talk about easy money. It's
0: not, it's not very like the differences are just kind of user interface differences not really huge technological changes
1: oh so you don't think it would be as big of a oh you're saying the myspace no, yeah, yeah
0: myspace to facebook it was
1: whereas a whole a whole uh, metaverse jump would be a whole different venture and beast of itself
0: probably it would be much more complicated yeah so you've got but,
1: to be it right now essentially
0: oculus could go through some pretty intense labor you know some pretty intense r d and pay for the initial r d and then someone else could take advantage of that r d and that's like you know years or you know somewhere maybe in a couple years it'll be much easier for startups to actually handle starting up
1: yeah we call it the china approach what's (laughs) that You let the U.S. put in all the money and resources to the R&D so that you can just steal it right after.
0: Wow. Yes. (laughs) Well, we have great innovation. That was a
1: joke at at Huawei, by the way.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. We, uh, We have amazing innovation. And I hope that can stay. We have innovators. Maybe, you know, there's some things that our culture, American culture doesn't uh foster but one thing it definitely does is the creator and the ability to create something and for the last like i mean what since benjamin franklin since before this country was even a country we've had creators and we're creating and those creators changed the world like you know this country wasn't even a country and it had an inventor that changed the world how you know everyone goes about you know their daily lives so and it's not really stopped ever like it's pretty much happened up until like from like i can't think probably since literally ben franklin like 1750 something he created electricity all the way up to 2022 america has just created World like world-changing inventions, like pretty much the entire time, like Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, um, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. These guys are incredible people. And, you know, they all, you know, f- were fostered by this sort of environment, and this sort of thinking that's like, do it you know just go for it try something new and i you know china you know they do probably i i've heard they steal a lot of technology it seems like they steal a lot of technology but at the end of the day that country does not foster that sort of innovation mentality which at the end of the day like steve jobs got every american richer much so did bill gates you know Microsoft computers, Windows based computers are used, I think, in every country in the world. So Microsoft is selling countries, they're selling computers, selling products, making revenue from everywhere in the world. You know, so is so does Apple. So is um, Tesla. So is, uh, you know, Ford was earlier in the game. But It's like these things like they, you know, there are other countries who are going to steal it, but at least with our sort of culture, like there are definitely a lot of issues that we need to work on and improve. But one thing I think we can be pretty happy with is that we're a culture that fosters innovation, invention, and we, you know, even with Bitcoin, like China, I believe, you know, put a ban on that. You know there's a lot of you know and i can understand being scared of crypto because it's so like you know you hear these things like someone's make a billionaire now and it's just like wow i didn't stand a chance like so i understand like the reason and the the kind of fear behind it, like saying, okay, I'm going to stop this because it just doesn't make sense to me. There's some really crazy things going on in the financial market, Mm -hmm. but America has not done that at all. If anything, you know, now there's, it's on the official tax record. I think I saw like on some like it's on the front of like, did you trade any virtual currency? Like So
1: it is on the 2021, yeah, yeah. yes.
0: So it's um, even though people
1: though, they can't, they don't have anything else to it, that's all they have to it right now. Just, yes, like, yes or no. So there's no capital gains because there's no law on it yet. They just ask you so that it with the hopes of in the future having to back
0: tax you on those gains. Just wow, <laughs> just it's be say, very different. coming, it's uh. Yeah, I mean it's all on the blockchain, so they 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 could probably hire out a contractor to just find out who who did it and who didn't, yeah. and what what you purchased, you know, years ago. But um, I forgot what I was gonna say.
1: Sorry, I, I did not mean to cut you off on that
0: one. No, it's okay. Where what were we, t- ta- what, what we talking about?
1: Oh, we were we were just talking about um, you know, on the tax forms how they were asking if you trade virtual currency this year, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So I know people on the decentralized, you know, DeFi movement really don't like the idea of being taxed for the income, but being taxed on the income is a much better alternative to the government than the government just shutting it off and set calling it blatantly illegal. Right. And you know, there's going to be changes with this. There's got to be an integration between crypto and I don't know what the um future is for fiat currency i really have no idea i find it hard to believe it's gonna just end but we'll see there's at least this sort of acceptance by the u.s government to say all right this very you know i would say radical technology has been in- integrated within our society It Is supposed to represent currency it's pretty difficult to understand and control but we'll accept it as here for now and you know slowly integrate changes based off of how it you know plays itself out versus saying we don't understand this boom cut it it's uh it's gonna foster a lot more lot more invention and a lot more you know this this sort of mentality is like it 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 makes americans every american i think richer at the end of the day which is the reason i went back to the wealth gap uh example wealth gap versus poverty example was because there will probably be a huge wealth gap too like you know there will be very rich people and very poor people but the poorest people will still be richer and especially in this country you know there we do have a homeless population which is very you know i live in san diego there's homeless people everywhere and it's pretty distressing and they exist but i would say overall the level of you know being a poor person in america is not so bad as it is other places in the world because You can still, you know, go to a pretty low, you know, you can get fast food, which a lot of other, you know, it's, it's bad for you. It's terrible. And it's just trash food, but it's pretty cheap. You're going to eat, you're going to survive. You know, there's a lot. I feel, you know, a lot of people have the questions of homeless people. A lot of the homeless people I see are not, don't seem in the right, you know, in a very good state of mind, they seem like they're, you know, mentally distressed. So I don't often, you know, maybe sometimes I, do, I don't often see someone that I feel is mentally capable out on the street as homeless. I feel like in this country, it's relatively easy to get a home over your head, a roof over your head, yeah. versus, you know, I've traveled in Africa pretty extensively. And it's like, you might have a roof overhead it's going to be made out of tin so are the walls you might be made out of clay uh so that's the reasons that I think these technologies they do create a wealth gap because some people get so rich it's kind of crazy but it when you think about the love the in most impoverished people I think they also do benefit from this as well as, and and that depends as long as it's being done ethically. I mean, there's a lot of business that can be done unethically, and you know the poorest people suffer because again, there's no alternative. There's no affordable alternative for them. So there's there. It's a all these things are very complicated. There's a lot of factors that go into, you know, generalizing any sort of action or process. And usually, there's going to be exceptions if not many exceptions to these sort of ways or processes that we think of.
1: Yeah, there's no right answer. There's just going to be a best solution and that's the best we can come up with, right? You know, that's the best for the most. And that's really I think the the ultimate answer to to these problems and questions that we're asking. And so um I did want to go back, if you don't mind, to to this, uh, to the digital currency, fiat currency, and I call it digital fiat currency versus uh, in the metaverse and the combination of the two, and kind of link yes. up a little bit if you don't mind. No, uh, if, if I know we're running short on time, but uh, no, I don't mind. But I think you see, and and I kind of want to just throw a theory out there, and you tell me your thoughts on this. You see this push for NFT, you see this push for you know metaverse, you see this push for. Digital currency and and what's this what's the one commonality between the, the three of them? They all exist in this digital space, right? Yes. And they can all only be used in this digital space. Yes. So if someone ever makes one real dollar in this digital space or brings their Bitcoin to this digital space and like that's where you can make money there, let's say like you're a financial advisor in the metaverse. Like for these metaversical people with Bitcoin, then who's to say that it's not legitimate anymore. It's a really weird thought, but it's actually something that I don't foresee not happening. I think it's totally plausible and possible for at least some aspects of industry to move completely into a metaverse.
0: Absolutely. And I saw a tweet the other day or this wasn't the other day it was months ago but the tweet was what if zoom was the metaverse company the whole time and it's a good point what if zoom you could do transactions through something like zoom and you really can like there's google meets i'm sure there's a way to do transactions through google meets uh i don't think it's so seamless right now where the metaverse that's where it would be and Maybe the experience of immersion wouldn't be like this, like a Google Meets or a Zoom or a Skype. It would be something else. Because even in Facebook chat, you can send money over. It's not crypto. But you can send like, you can do a Venmo, pretty much a Venmo transaction over Instagram, I believe. I know Facebook, you can do it.
1: I mean, you can, you can do it basically everywhere because you have these companies that built out these integrations. And actually, know I met one of them got bought out at one of the fintech conferences. Uh, it's called Plaid, and you'll see it a lot. Um, every time you li- – you know when you go to that page, link up your bank, and it shows you that general list in the search bar, and it's in this black and white graph yes. for you to continue. Yes. It's called Plaid. The second they build out the integrations with all of these banks – that's when you saw everyone have a payment portal app or a bank linking app, right? Everyone yes. and credit score, same thing. Someone built Experian, built the integrated credit score for all the banking things. That's why everyone tells you, Hey, look, here's your credit score on, on your credit card app, on your debit, on your banking app, on any, basically any of your financial apps, it's all there. And, and it's because of that integration. And so they built that integration. I forgot what I was saying about it, but they built it. And it allowed for the accessibility of places like Instagram and, and even Apple money. I mean, nobody uses this, but like, I can send you a text with money on it, you know? Yes. And, and like nobody uses that, but it's there and it's, it's possible. And it's interesting. And I forgot you were saying about that, but that, and it, go ahead.
0: I was saying like, cause I said that zoom, I said reference that tweet where the individual said zoom what if zoom was the real metaverse company the whole time and i was saying you you're speaking about metaverse and taking in transactions from you know possible finance clients and you know it's it's really you know the metaverse is a broad statement it could be many things and we can put our own spin on it for what we what it means to us but
1: yeah, i think that it's funny that you say that because i think you're absolutely spot on and that's why everyone's building out you know why is instagram building payment portals you know like you said because the metaverse is not one place the metaverse is the multiverse it's yes. like all these multiple metaverses
0: it's gonna be interesting how it works and how it integrates with the physical realm
1: yeah so you go back to ar in that sense and you talk ar and we'll have to have another conversation another time about the ar uh startup company that i'd like to produce one day with some really highly intellectual individuals like yourself uh i not anytime soon but i have a lot of the concept conceptually it's done but it's going to take a lot of stuff To build out like a lot, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense in the same respect that VR will hold a place. I think AR will hold just as strong of a different type of place. I don't think one or the other, it's going to be a dual environment.
0: I think so too. It's uh, I think it's gonna even before VR, AR is gonna be VR is gonna be tough to integrate because it's gonna be so detailed and so much work. But the AR, I think, there's a lot of algorithms too. Like you have to take in your site and you have to play with the physical realm and then work with it. So it's not simple either. So it could take just as long.
1: It could take long, but you know what? A great starting point would be and a great, I guess, example of how you would go about building the... build. I mean, because how do you build the, the best AR technology possible? You have to grab as much data as possible because it's going to, it's all based on automate machine learning, right? It's all going to be machine learning based. So you have to get, you're going to have to get trillions of data points.
0: So, So
1: you have to think who's gotten, who was like one of the people other than like the social media companies who was able to get physical data points to the extent that then they could use machine learning to build optimal scenarios. And it's google maps yeah so drivers driving everywhere finding roads driving down the roads taking photos everywhere they and have then satellites out that stuff was so how do you how do you build the ar solution i think you do that you you hire people to walk around with the glasses and you have them do different things you know at different times and that's how you start to build the data set
0: dude i think that what's going to happen is that Google is going to have an API with all of their images and probably their own algorithm, their own network, neural network algorithm. And they're going to sell the rights to that API to different developers, different AR developers.
1: Let me see if I can throw this on the screen. Can I do this on Google with my iPhone? Throw what? It's in relation to what you're saying about this open API, but that they're also going to open it up, but they're probably already working on a lot of the spatial recognition, which obviously they are. But I want to show you something that I just recently found out because I was dropping off some... I was returning a cracked iPhone, and I dropped it on my first day. got it was horrible. Damn, <laughs> I know. And so I sent it in. And um, th- there's this big cane corso at the front of the mail shop. You know, cane corso, those giant black dogs that have those pinned ears. Yes, they're like they're like the dog from the Sandlot, but they're black usually.
0: Yes, so I do know. Very they, scary looking dogs.
1: They're they're and they're protective dogs and they weigh like 180 pounds. So they're like beasts. Um, wow. Sorry. I overdid 180. They're 110, but they're big. They're big dogs. That's huge. Um, do you know on, do we on share on Google? Do you know if I'm able to do a screen share for my phone on this with an iPhone? I know on zoom. No, like, not understand.
0: on, not on an iPhone. Well, you're, you're, you can share your screen. What you have, uh, currently but
1: i don't know if it'll let me see if it'll do it really quickly in one moment because here's what i'll say i was looking at it and i was like i love those dogs the cane corso it's such a beautiful dog it's so big obviously they're tough to train but i'm building up my dog training ability by starting with you know some of the easier and getting working my way up and um, yes i'm a big dog person so the second i can buy a big backyard i'll have four or five and uh yes
0: Dogs are very fun. They can be a lot of work.
1: They can be. I agree. Yesterday they took up most of my day. So. Okay, so they don't have it on on the computer right now, but on your phone. So, so go on. It's right like, on your phone, and typed in Kane Corso. One of the things you'll see, and hopefully maybe you can see this, maybe you can't. Do you see? I'll try to get this as optimal as I can. Okay, maybe you can see. I almost had it right no. there. Okay. Do you see? Do you see this right here down here? Right yes. here, okay. You know what this is?
0: It's a NFT or a three-dimensional dog.
1: What is it asking you to do?
0: It's three D. So, so it's an augmented reality of a dog.
1: So I put the King Corso in my living room to see what it looked like in there.
0: Nice. So that's nice.
1: what you're saying? They're already testing out the AR with the phones and stuff.
0: Absolutely
1: to get spatial recognition cuz spatial recognition is the toughest thing for a camera to really identify.
0: Yes. And it's the one of the big reasons that the iPhone now has three lenses I think is for spatial recognition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I- you need you need a lot of angles and a lot of I mean think about a 3D not a 3D um what do you, why am i forgetting the name of it the, the camera a three dimensional camera a 360 camera you know how does that work you need to have essentially a camera in every direction so for spatial recognition you have to try to do the same thing but you have dead zones like you have blind spots like the human eye
0: yes and yes you do have, you have dead zones on,
1: but then you have to make assumptions on filling them so you have to have advanced and mastered Machine learning, that with like I said, trillions of examples of possibilities that can make a most accurate solution.
0: Yes, you do. It's not simple, it's a, a very complicated algorithm, and it's going to have to have a lot of nodes in order to f- work. I mean, it's going to be a Google supercomputer. That's what's going to do it. And then the API, you know, it'll all be done on their computer feed it up to the cloud feed it up to whatever device you have and whatever application you is going to integrate it and then i think that they'll probably have the best opportunity to make you know facebook might have a great one too but for ar i think google will probably reign supreme
1: yeah it's it's got to be it's got to be, they've been working, I mean, Google Glass was the thing that I, I mean, I fell in love with Google Glass back in 2011, back when I thought it was coming out, I thought it was here, and I thought they had it, and now I know they only use it a little bit in certain um,
0: contexts,
1: Yeah. on what?
0: Certain contexts.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, a certain um what like machinery projects so that they can project things that they need to be you know lining and and uh without physically drawing or or layering anything on there whatever it may be um i know they were talking about in some in some i think it was mechanical engineering production they were using it for visualization purposes if they were to hypothesize different things and then create possible. Anyway, it was, it's like very, like you said, very specific rational, rational units of, of usage. Um, And so, yeah, it's not like, it's not a consumerized product by any means and it's not close to that yet either because of what we're talking about.
0: Yes. Hopefully it can soon be, you know, become a, commercialized product because it's huge
1: yeah so when you say it's going to take and and i I don't know how much time you have left i know you said that but i'm gonna go i'm gonna ask my last thing uh
0: maybe 10 more minutes
1: okay i'll leave you with this well let's let's just leave it this then um when you talk about it's going to take a lot of notes for that data to be held and then to be drawn from. When you say it's going to take a supercomputer because of all those nodes, or you're saying it's going to take a supercomputer because of the volume of nodes. Is that why?
0: Yes. It's okay. all volume. It's all, it's not, there's like, the reason that humans have such a complicated brain is because we have more neural nodes in our brain, like dramatically more than all other animals supposedly I mean I know that we do have a lot more nodes mm-hmm. than all other animals and so the thought is that it's not really like going to be like this type of neural network there are different types of neural networks like there's ones that have more memory basage and more you know front loading for like it's it's complicated but at the yeah. end of the day yeah at the end of the day it's really going to be how many layers of nodes do you have how many interconnections of nodes do you have and how often is you know and that the more nodes you have the more power it takes like i remember five five six years ago i was trying to run like a neural network algorithm on my computer and it just you know took a day it literally took 23 hours to run it's just like this is a joke this can only be done on a supercomputer over the cloud and then you know depending on what you know depending on the application or the use case uh different result different sort of you know process running the algorithm but at the end of the day it's still like large number of nodes going to be better result the algorithm will be able to take in more inputs and have a more fine, fine-tuned fine sense of what it's looking at.
1: Yeah, and it needs to or it's not going to accurately predict. If it inaccurately yeah. predicts, then there's no point in having AR because then it's just a bunch of junk, you know? It's a bunch of junk. That's technology. <laughs>
0: there's a lot of trash software out there. There's a lot of bad software, a lot of, you know, less hardware, I think, but a lot of trash software. So it's, yeah. it can go terribly wrong too.
1: We need to have a good discussion about that. Cause I've got, that's like my end goal in life is that company. That's my end goal is that AR company that works on that works on spatial, not spatial recognition, but that helps, helps facilitate the, you know, the the Google drivers of spatial recognition in geographic areas specific to where they would be so that it can then d- divide that neural network into intricate areas as opposed to generalize too much of it. Because if you generalize too much of it, it may misinterpret certain spaces and places. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does.
1: And so you would almost like you you'd, uh, categorize it, but still you know, obviously it has to be generalized in a sense too. So then you create different weightings as to what you weight in this area. You weight it less than the area it's being utilized in, right? Because it doesn't know that area as well as it knows this area because you're in that area. And so even though you have the same data that it's been grabbing, I, I, it's hard to explain. I'm like, I see it, but I don't know how to explain it. Um, I guess what I'm really getting at is my end goal, and I hope you're not recording still, is that
0: yeah we are recording we never ended
1: okay well the end goal for the end goal for me personally is finance is great and i think everyone needs a good financial advisor and we didn't get enough into finance and maybe that's a a, a better discussion for next time i like I, I love that we did get what we did get into but uh yes highly recommend flash boys for everyone um and uh and I'll leave you with with this. Uh, you know, the future of of everything is development. And if you're not coding now, you need to start. And and if if you don't understand how to read code, then you won't understand how to read a book in ten to twenty years. So, um, I think that's number one. And number two, I think the, our next our next big move as humanity goes is the two biggest spaces in in monetary, you know, that we discussed from a revenue standpoint, what are they? It's, it's information. So we look at AR, we've got all the information in the world because it's recording everything all the time. And then it's advertising. So the number one company that Karush and I can and will build is going to be an augmented reality marketing spatial recognition company.
0: Wow. I'm ready for that. Actually, I would love to talk to you about that. After. That's for uh, either off record or, or, you know, next podcast. But that's something that sounds really interesting, actually.
1: Yeah. And a lot of it, I know it's technologically we need to catch up on before anything. But I did want to mention that before we headed out for the day.
0: My guest today has been Andrew Sola. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Andrew.
1: Thank you so much, Krush. I appreciate it.